show. He's a listener that we all know and love. It's none other than our man, Cliff Payne. All right, so Cliff, we know that you are a rabid Georgia Bulldog fan and an avid college football fan. You're always hitting us up about anything college football, especially SEC. But uh, what else is there out there that we need to know about you, my man? Well, hey, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, I think we should uh, give a shout-out to uh, last week. I think it just – it really exemplifies what we have to be proud of as far as college football, and especially Georgia, just wearing pink. And uh, now I don't really have any breast cancer um, survivors or anything like that in my family necessarily, but I think cancer has affected all of us in some way. So I'm just really proud of that and wanted to give a shout-out on that, first of all. Um, second, say, um, I'm, I'm originally from Dublin, Georgia, and I live in Evans, Georgia. And I was in the Army, got out in 2011, I've been a contractor ever since. And I got two boys and two girls keeping me busy. So, God bless you. And man. I'm not invested in football. I got uh, plenty of family matters to keep me keep me going. And, and uh, just um, very blessed from that perspective. And I'm 37 and, and uh, hoping that it won't be too much longer before I get to enjoy a national championship for Georgia. I think it's coming. It's just a matter of time. Uh, you and me both, my man. That's incredible. That's that's awesome. And then, by the way, man, thank you so much for your service. We really yes, appreciate that. You. And uh, very, oh, very well was Yeah, very well said on uh, on the, the the pink out there. That was that was just it was an awesome game. It was just awesome to see that and how the Georgia Bulldog Nation responded there. So very, very, very well said. But uh, Cliff, my man, you ready to make some picks? Let's do it. Let's do this. Charlie, take it away. All right. We're going to start with a slate of SEC games and then work our way around the country to the other big games of the week. And at first, we have a rivalry that is losing more and more of its national luster with each passing year as the Tennessee Volunteers are traveling to Gainesville as a 14-point underdog to take on the Felipe Frankless Florida Gators. Um, I'm going to go... I like what you did there. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Tried to get creative. So um, I'm going to pick Florida to win and cover. Cliff, who do you have in this one? Okay, so let me just kind of start with, uh, I did a little bit of research. I feel like Alexander and some of the other guys have really set the bar high, so I wanted to make sure I took some time to research this a little bit. So nothing less, Cliff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I looked at a scoring margin to kind of just give an overall idea of where these um, teams match up. And I know you can only base so much off of the first three weeks, but um, just from what I looked at, Florida's ranked number 49 with a scoring margin of plus six. Tennessee is ranked number 79 with a scoring margin of negative 5.5. Of course, uh, the gap between these teams isn't as big as you might think in terms of overall talent. Also, Tennessee may just want it more, but that that being said, it's at Florida in the swamp, and I was actually impressed from the limited time we got to see Florida's new starting quarterback. So I think that was a blessing in disguise. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I think a lot of other people would agree with me on that. Um, I'm not going to predict – I'm not going to predict the upset, but I don't think Florida covers because they just have not done enough to impress me. Um, and really, Kentucky should have won that game. Plus, if you have followed this rivalry at all, the games are not usually blowouts between these two programs. So I've got Florida winning but not covering. And 14 points is a lot. So I just don't think they're going to get the 14 points. All right. Tyler, what do you think? That was awesome, Cliff, man. I love the deep dive there for sure, man. That was that was incredible. Um, I'm going to go – yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Cliff. I do, man. I Honestly, neither team has impressed me all that much to this point. But, obviously, Tennessee has been a disaster. Florida at least hasn't been a disaster. 
And I, I'm very interested yeah. to see Kyle Trask in a full game. You mentioned I, I, I'm totally with you. I think this certainly could end up being a blessing in disguise, unfortunately for us, for Florida, especially yeah. in terms of Trask being a, a passer. I mean, you, you and I were kind of talking about this a little bit on, on social media, Cliff, and I, I'm with you, man. Uh, but it, it's I'm interested because actually this will be Kyle Trask, actually his first game as a starter going back only to high school. He did not start in high school. He backed up De'Aaron King as the quarterback at Houston who was like an all-everything player for them uh, in, in Texas high school football. The guy's never actually started a game going back to high school. So I'm interested to see kind of how he responds there. I'm sure it might, it might not be that big of a deal, but that's just something to keep in mind there. Uh, and, uh, you know, he did look really good against Kentucky. But going back and watching that game a little bit, Kentucky was – I couldn't – I can't figure out – and I have a lot of respect for Mark Shivers. I cannot figure out what he was doing in that fourth quarter because he just set back in a really soft zone. I know they had some injuries in the secondary and some guys that got knocked out with the, uh, the targeting penalty, but he just set back in a soft zone that entire fourth quarter and just let Trask complete easy pass after easy pass. I would have gotten in their faces and come after him a little bit, but, I mean, he, he gets paid millions, millions yeah, of dollars. I, mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, if you look at earlier in the game, you know, Kentucky was all over him, but then the, the prevent defense didn't do what they were really seeking for it to do. And I think yeah. we've seen that time and time again. It's just a big failure to go to that when – You've got the ability to pressure him and force him into making mistakes, but instead you just let him sit back there and pick you apart. Just an epic mistake by the Kentucky coaching staff. Yeah, as my coach used to always tell me when I was in high school, all the prevent defense does is prevent you from winning. And we saw that on Saturday. (laughs) We see see that over and over. Um, And and look, but the bad bad thing for Tennessee is their offensive line is a train wreck. It's been that way for a year and a half now. And we saw what that Florida front can do to a bad, inexperienced offensive line in week zero when they played Miami. And I expect a lot of the same this week, maybe not to the, to the degree where like 10 sacks against Miami, but I, I expect them to to really harass uh, Guarantano back there. So I'm going to take Florida to win. I'm with you, Cliff. I'm also going to say, though, I do think Tennessee digs deep. You're right, Cliff, that the, these games are usually pretty close regardless of the record. So I'll say Tennessee digs deep and finds a way to cover as uh, Florida continues to kind of make that, transa- that transition to Kyle Trask. Right. But I think, you know, des- I think desperation can be a factor. I mean, Tennessee, they need this win more than Florida does in, in a lot Absolutely. of ways. I don't think they're yeah. going to pull it yeah. off, but I think that's enough to make a make a difference too. I think they'll play well for sure. All right. You can both prove me wrong on Saturday. All right. <laughs> next up, we have a much more interesting game to talk about. So let's look at two SEC West teams that we have to play later in the season as Auburn goes to College Station to take on Texas A&M. This is actually the 3.30 CBS lead into our primetime game, and the Aggies are the slight three-and-a-half-point home favorite. I'm going to pick Texas A&M to win and cover. Cliff, what are you going to pick? Okay, so um, I also think Auburn covers, but let me go back to kind of just corruption a little bit of the numbers. So Auburn is ranked number 16 with a scoring margin of 21. Texas A&M is ranked number 39 with a scoring margin of 10. Um, I think Auburn covers because they have the better overall team. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think if you look at Texas A&M, their offense really didn't look good against Clemson, only getting 10 points. And and this is a Clemson defense, in my opinion, that's not nearly as good, especially if you look at their front compared to last year and they don't have the depth they used to have, which, you know, um, it doesn't make me real confident they can do it against Auburn's defense either. So I'm, I'm, and you know that being said, I'm not on the Bo Nix train just yet. I think he's got a long ways to go, and so has a lot to prove as far as being an elite upper level quarterback. But at the same time, what has Kellen Mond really done to impress us so far? In fact, he's done less than I would have would have thought he would at this point. 
Um, so I've got Auburn winning outright, and I've got them winning, you know, fairly easily. All right. Tyler, what are you going to pick? You know, I, I actually – I Cliff, I do agree with you um, talking about the quarterbacks there. Bo Nix, I'm not a buyer of his stock yet. I think he'll be good eventually. I just don't know when that eventually will be. And I agree with you on Kelamon. So when people talk about the Texas A&M game being really tough, it's going to be a tough game for us. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think Kelamon has made enough progress right now. And I, I just don't think he's a fit for that for that Jimbo Fisher offense anyway. So you're right. I don't think he's done anything to really make us think he's an elite quarterback or anything close to approaching that. Uh, but I'm really excited to watch this one, man. Um, again, I don't think Bo Nix is is. I, I think he would be good. But here's what I would say. And this is my hesitation with Auburn in this game. I, I agree with you, Cliff, that that Auburn has the overall better roster i totally agree with you there but when you look at the and and kelamon is not an elite quarterback he's he's good-ish he's decent but i just i look at bo nicks and i'm just not this is his first true road start and i'm just not sure he's ready to go on the road and win in this type of environment against like what has been actually surprisingly a a pretty good texas a&m defense uh, at least an improved Texas A&M defense. I mean, I know Clemson ended up winning that game, but they held Clemson at least in check and gave their offense a chance. Their offense just couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I think if Texas A&M had showed me more offensively against Clemson, I'd feel differently about this game. Yeah, but I mean, it, it of, gives that, me pause. You're right. A lot into my prediction, you know. Yeah, and I, honestly, I don't. This is one of those like these toss toss up games to me when it's like this club three and a half point spread. They're just tough for me because I, I see scenarios for both teams. I can make an argument both ways. Everything you said, Cliff, makes a ton of sense. Oh yeah. man, I just I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the home team here, and just the fact that at least even though Mon is not an elite quarterback, he's just a veteran quarterback playing at home. Bo Nix in his first start on the road. I just I don't know if he's ready for that moment yet. This game was later in the year, like when we play them in November. I might pick Auburn here, but. For that reason, I'm going to yeah. go with Texas A&M slightly to win this one. I guess since it's such a small spread, I'll give them – I'll save them to cover too. But I can see Auburn for sure. All but right. You, you, this, got, you, got a fair, you got a fair analysis there. I can I can understand where you're, where you're getting at. So, Yeah, I, and Good same to you. I mean, I, I, you. You actually kind of almost convinced me. I'm, I almost changed my pick. So <laughs> you're making it tough on me, man. <laughs> All right. Next up, let's talk about LSU traveling to Nashville. It'll probably be tough to find a corn dog in town after this one, but the only big question. Oh, shots fired. I know. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. um, but the only big question is whether the Tigers cover the 23 points they're favored by. I think LSU looks really good. I might be crazy, but I'm picking LSU to win and cover. Cliff, who are you picking? Okay, so I'm going to get to that in just a second. Let me just go through a little bit of stats. So, LSU is ranked number nine with a scoring margin of 29.5, which is impressive considering that also includes putting up a ton of points against, which is still a solid Texas defense, albeit not as great as last year's Longhorn defense, in my opinion. Uh, Vanderbilt is ranked 111 with a scoring margin of negative 21. Ouch. Commodores are just bad, let's face it. It's not like Georgia was trying that hard to run the score up on them, as we saw in game one. And... Give me LSU and covering the 23 easily. All right. So I'm not crazy. Thank you. That's eh, no. not going that far. <laughs> Maybe not this I'm instance. not doing too well in the pick department. No, so. You're doing well in the straight ups. You're against the spread. You're just struggling. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah. You know, numbers. All right, Tyler, who are you picking? Yeah. I mean, Cliff said, I'm going to make this one short and sweet. It's, I, I just don't think I can give you some analysis. I just don't think it needs all that much. We all know LSU is going to – like, they're going to – they're going. This could get ugly for the doors. So LSU by a hundred. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. LSU, 
you guys know I, I, I picked them uh, preseason to represent the SEC West in the SEC title game. I'm, I'm standing by that. Uh, Bama's going to be tough. But, I mean, I, I'm pretty good by the week with that pick. So, we'll see. So, I'm, I'm going to go LSU by 100 here for sure. They and, you know, to be fair, to kind of back up your point, Alabama hasn't looked as impressive as I thought they would be to this point. So they that really have especially defensively. I think LSU's got a legit shot at knocking them off. Now, it's going to be tough beating them in Tuscaloosa, but – no doubt, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Yeah, and that's I'm going. So I'm going for the upset there for sure. Be a good one. Be a fun one to watch for sure. All right, oh, let's yeah. stay. Let's stay in the <laughs> SEC. And the Kentucky Wildcats are traveling to Starkville, fresh off yet another baffling loss to Florida. Oh, still not sure how that happened, but it did. Poor cats. The cats are a seven and a half point underdog against the Bizarro Dogs. I'm gonna go with Kentucky to uh, get the upset down in Starkville. This one was a really tough one to pick. I feel like uh, I just didn't know. It's one of those weird cross divisional rivals. Like, how are they even like cross? I don't know. And that's a that's a a long long trip too. But anyways, Cliff, who are you picking? Okay, so I'll get to that in just a second. So let me just go through the stats a little bit. So Kentucky's ranked number forty-two with a scoring margin of nine, which is better than I would have thought. Really, they gave that game away against Florida and should have won, as we talked about before. Combination of horrific mistakes, bad coaching, prevent defense, cost them big time, already discussed. Mississippi State is right behind Kentucky, interestingly enough, at number 43 with a scoring margin of 8.7. Not elite, but not too shabby either. But interestingly of note, their quarterback situation isn't great. I don't know if y'all heard. We're not aware of his playing status and even – Yeah, Tommy Stevens, yeah. So I've got Kentucky winning outright. As they showed me, they're still a good team against Florida. Not an elite team, but I have them beating Shark Vegas Bulldogs. Sorry, not sorry, cowbell lovers. The real dog. I love it. (laughs) Georgia. Cliff firing the shots now. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard day to be anybody but a bulldog in Athens. All right, Tyler, what are you picking? All right, Cliff, I know how hard you were pulling for the Cats last weekend. So was I. Yeah, I know, man. We were kind of talking about that a little bit on social media that night. God, man, I was – I thought they had it. thought they had it. But, man, you're right. Bad coaching, ill-timed mistakes, uh, rough. But uh, I was actually really – even though it was in a losing effort, I was really impressed by what I saw from Kentucky last week. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they're an overly talented team. I don't think they're close to as talented last season, especially defensively. But I will say Mark Stoops – I got to give this guy some credit. He has really built a culture there where they play hard and they play with great toughness on a consistent basis. They make you fight for it. They might not have more talent than you, but they make you earn it, they make you fight. And I got a lot of respect for that. And I think Sawyer Smith, it's at least in the first half of that game, I thought he looked like a pretty competent quarterback. And I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure their offense can't be better with him at quarterback long-term. I know that obviously Wilson brought a lot from the running game perspective. But they were, I don't say in F, he's been bad. He was better before the injury this year. But we saw last year, they just had a tough time doing much of anything. It's an elite defense because they couldn't throw the ball at all. And I think Sawyer Smith gives him at least a little bit of that. Plus, he's all, I mean, we saw him, he actually was able to run the football pretty effectively as well. So I actually think he's going to be a pretty good option for them long term. Uh, and you mentioned it, Cliff. We don't know the status of uh, Tommy Stevens, the quarterback for Mississippi State. I, if he was playing, I would feel a little bit more confident in this pick, at least having a better, a clearer picture of what I would say here. But I, you just don't know. Uh, he's a really good running back at Mississippi State. No one really talks about him. He's one of the top backs in the SEC. But if if Stevens doesn't go, I, I really think that Mark Stoops can shut down a one-dimensional Mississippi State offense. So this is this is a tough one for me. Um, I think Mark Stoops is a better coach. 
And with the quarterback uncertainty, Mississippi State, I'm actually going to pull an audible here. I was thinking Mississippi State, I'm going to go Kentucky to get the outright win and, and pull the upset here. You just changed. I did. I, I you guys convinced me. All right, I'm peer pressured. Okay, you're welcome. You're welcome, Tyler. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I will thank you after they win this one. <laughs> the last game we're picking in the SEC is another intriguing one. Uh, Mizzou is favored by nine and a hook over South Carolina at home, and I'm going to pick Mizzou to win. I also have them going eleven and one in our preseason. So they're going to run the table in Charlie's view. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to have to beat us too. So no, not happening. No, now, maximum now 10 they're and two. down to ten and two. I don't know. And but I'm going to pick South Carolina to cover. Cliff, what are you going to pick? All right, so let's just go through a little bit of stats again. South Carolina is number 98 in scoring margin at negative 14 points per game. Not good. Not good. So, you know, that alone is, is, a, is a red flag to me. Helensky, to be honest, is an okay quarterback, but I still think the Gamecocks were better off with Jake Bentley despite the inconsistent play. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people are high on Helensky. Um, I think – when Bentley was on, I think he was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, to be frank. I he totally agree with that. Um, Missouri is number 32 in scoring margin at plus 12.5 points per game. Let's face it, though. Neither of these teams are really a threat to Georgia. Um, that being said, I have Missouri winning but not covering, as I think the Gamecocks keep it within one score. All right, Tyler, pick Yeah, um, I'm pretty much in agreement, Cliff. I I think the Bama hangover can be real. I really do. I think they just beat you down physically, and then you you get up to play them, especially when you have them at home in a place like Williams-Brace. They they do get up for for those games, especially early in the year before their souls have been crushed, like they are most years. Um, So I'm not sure South Carolina is going to be feeling like all that physically great, and I'm not sure they're going to come into this one with a high level of motivation. Uh, And Helensky's – yeah, I just I just don't know if it's going to be there for them this year. That, that I really I, I believe in the Bama hangover. I see it year after year. And you mentioned Ryan Helinski. I, I think he's going to be a good player for them. But I, I'm totally with you, Cliff. When when Jake Bentley is on, I keep going back to this last year. But I watched that entire game when, they, when he carved up Clemson's national title defense for over 500 yards passing last year. That dude was good when he was on. Uh, now he did have some of those games where it's like, dude, what are you doing? But um, when he was on, he was a, a top-level SEC quarterback. So I'm not sure. Right. If, if South Carolina hadn't been decimated by injuries defensively, they probably win that game against Clemson. Oh, very possible, absolutely. Because they were they were scoring. I'm really at will on Clemson in that first half. It was crazy to watch. Um, and Helensky's making his first road star. He did some good things against Bama, but I just, I'm not sure he's ready yet to be that guy. He can make some throws, and he seemed like he had no conscience out there. But that can also get you into trouble too as a young quarterback. And then on the Missouri side, Kelly Bryant's actually been a surprisingly effective passer for Missouri, better than I thought he would be early on in this offense. Uh, and their playmakers aren't close to the Bama level of playmakers, but Missouri does have some dangerous weapons offensively. And I'm just not sure South Carolina has anyone defensively to match up with Albert O. So give me Missouri to win, but nine and a half is a lot. That's a lot. So I'm going to take the Gamecocks to cover. All right. Let's travel out west where there's a big Pac-12 South matchup on Friday night as Tyler's college football playoff sleeper, Utah, is traveling to L.A. to, take, out, on, <laughs> traveling to LA to take on USC in the Coliseum. The Utes are the four-point road favorite in this one. Um, I'm going to go with Utah to win and cover. Cliff, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Charlie. So, But to just back it up with some stats, Utah is number 23 in scoring margin, 18 points per game. Pretty solid. Uh, USC is number 38, 
not too shabby in scoring margin at 10 points per game. It comes down, it comes down though, to looking at the common opponent for me. Utah handled BYU comfortably at BYU as well. Uh, USC just lost to the same team, and let's face it, BYU is an okay team, but not a team USC had any business losing to. I have Utah winning and covering. Yeah, both teams play BYU on the road. You're right. So the common opponent factor is certainly there. Um, Yeah, Cliff, I'm with you, man. Utah, they got by the first big road test. You mentioned it there, playing uh, in Provo against BYU in a rivalry game. The Holy War, like the best name ever for a rivalry game. It's incredible. Um, but going to USC, like to me, this is like I said before the season when I picked them to go to the playoff, they had three big games on their schedule. I thought it was a three game schedule at BYU, at USC, at Washington. This is game two. And Southern Cal quarterback, you know, Keaton Slovis, he came back down to earth a little bit last week against BYU. He threw three picks in that tough loss. He's a talented player. He's, uh, I really liked what I've seen from him. I've watched, actually watched him quite a bit this year uh, in two of those games. I think he's going to make some plays in this one. But that this is the reason I picked Utah. They run the ball well. They remind me a lot of us. They run the ball well. They play with toughness and physicality, and they play with really good defense. That Utah defense is nasty. Their front seven is going to harass Slovis all night long. And USC has playmakers out wide. Don't get me wrong. Pittman, St. Brown, Tyra Vons, those guys are legit players. There. Yeah. I would yeah, have absolutely. compared Utah to Georgia, but you make some interesting points. Yeah, I mean they're they're not as good as us, but like they're like what they do offensively and like just their, their formula to win reminds me of, of us, what we try to do. They're certainly not a mirror image, but I think philosophically there's a lot of similarities there. But, um, uh, you know, with with what they have at the wide receiver position, I think USC can make some plays, but I'm just not sure they're going to have enough time to, to make those plays consistently because Utah's going to get after them. And Jalen Johnson's a very good cornerback for Utah. And you got all the coaching hot seat talks swirling around. You have the AD resigning, Lynn Swan resigning. It's just a toxic environment right now in L.A. for USC especially after that tough loss to BYU. So Utah, for me, the tougher team, I think they're going to go to L.A. I think they're just going to physically beat up USC. So I'm going to take the Utes to win and cover. All right. Well, we do have a top 15 matchup in the Big Ten as Michigan travels to Madison to take on the Badgers of Wisconsin. That was really hard to not. The Badgers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing it. in an accent. Okay, you did it, so Sorry. that's okay. Uh, Wisconsin has been killing people this year and are a three-point home favorite over Coach Khaki Pants and the Wolverines. So I'm actually going to pick Michigan to win this one. I know Wisconsin is like Uh-oh. 110 points. She's wrong, zero. Cliff, right? She's wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. Again, there were some hard picks this week. This is a toss-up. This is a tough one. I, I am going to go with Michigan. Yeah, he has. Yeah, she's been yeah taking her crazy pills. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Cliff? Okay, so Michigan is number 35 in scoring margin at plus 11 per game, points per game. Not bad, but not great either. Uh, Wisconsin, on the other hand, is number one in scoring margin at plus 55 points per game. My goodness. Now, I'm not saying it's been against elite competition, but that is impressive nonetheless. That's like saying Georgia's havoc rate hasn't been good because they hasn't pl- haven't played anybody. I'm getting so sick of that argument. Oh God, you and me both, man, but, for sure. But um, so if, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say that for Georgia, well, I got to give Wisconsin props for that kind of scoring margin. It doesn't matter who they've been playing. That's crazy good. That's impressive. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, I talked with a Michigan fan today, Petty Officer First Class Graham. Give him some props who actually wants Wisconsin to win, isn't at all confident in the Wolverines and wants Harbaugh fired. They're already at that point? Wow. I thought that was hilarious, but I'm torn because I'd actually like to see them beat Ohio State just because they're due for an upset over them. Remember when we couldn't beat Florida? That's kind of what it's like at Michigan. 
It's a great point. Uh, really, it's looking like that nowadays. But, yeah. For this, but for this game, I am just not at all confident in Michigan. Their offense has still had some serious struggles, and Wisconsin's defense is really good. And their running back, I mean, he's arguably – he's in the top five for sure, if not the top three backs in the nation. The guy's just good. And this guy's got a 2000 yard rushing season under his belt. Yeah. yeah, he's ridiculous. So I've got Wisconsin winning this game at home, covering and winning easily. Okay. All right. So I – yeah, honestly, I'm Cliff, I'm with you. Like, what has Michigan done to give us any reason to think they're going to go into Madison, Wisconsin and win this football game? I just – I don't see it. I just don't see it right now. So um, if, if you're asking me, I, I just – Honestly, I think that Michigan is a talented team, but I just I, – I don't think like, – there's something missing there, whether it's Josh Gaddis. I don't know uh, the, the new offense. I'm not a believer in Shea Patterson right now. And when you look at what you've got there with Wisconsin, that offensive line, they're not a, an overly talented team, but we know what they do, and they do it well. I mean, they, they've won by a combined 110 to nothing right now. This just looked a little shaky on offense. I mean, that – honestly – that Army game, I watched every snap of that tailgating, and it's got me shell-shocked with Michigan right now. I, there's just no way after that. I know they got the bye week, but I just can't pick them right now. They have the better roster overall. Wisconsin has the momentum. Uh, both teams are coming off the bye, so that, that's not really an advantage for either team. And you mentioned them. Wisconsin has the one truly established star in this game, and that's running back Jonathan Taylor. So I'm excited to watch this one, and I'm with you, Cliff. I'm taking the Badgers at home to win and cover the three. All right. Next, we have our old friend Jacob Eason leading his 22nd-ranked Washington Huskies into Provo to take on a tough BYU team. Washington is favored by six and a hook on the road, and I'm going to pick Washington to win and cover because I really want to see Jacob Eason do well. Hopefully they will. That's your rationale? I mean, but I can't pick against them. <laughs> okay, all right. I all just right. can't. I'm too nice. You are. Well, I probably shouldn't. I'm so not you basically nice don't believe in BYU that. to pull out three straight wins in a row no, against Power not. 5 teams. So. No, I do not. Okay. I do not. Cliff, what do you think? Well, this is a really interesting matchup, and it's interesting also that BYU faced two of the other teams we talked about earlier. Um, Washington is number 27 in scoring margin at plus 15.5 points per game. BYU is number 76 in scoring margin at negative four points per game. It's amazing they've done as well as they have with that bad of a scoring margin and as much trouble as, they, as they've caused with some other teams. Um, I've got Washington winning but not covering. BYU is good enough to make this a game, and winning on the road is never easy. If this were at Washington, I'd feel a bit different. And to be honest, I'm not confident in this pick. And I could see it going a lot of different ways. BYU is not a pushover, and Washington hasn't been playing at the level with Jacob Eason that I expected to this point. Fair All enough. right, Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, um, great points there, Cliff. Um, look, BYU, they're, they're not the same as Kentucky, but when I watch them play, they remind me of how Kentucky plays with that toughness, that physicality. They just fight. BYU is a, just a tough team of fighters those guys don't quit we watched it all. I mean I, I've actually watched like all three of their games almost in their entirety this year because I watched in that first game on that uh, that, that first Thursday night against Utah it was a great game fun to watch uh then I watched them obviously with great joy and glee uh go to Knoxville and beat Tennessee on Rocky Top and then I watched that game last week against USC so I've seen a lot of BYU and they're a good tough team and Zach Wilson at quarterback is very very talented but he is highly inefficient right now and that offense really sputters at times. He can make big plays, and he can make the wow plays. There's a giant Menzel in him, but it's just it's it's up and down with him. He's very inefficient. So uh, you know that you got to factor that in here. And with Easton and Washington, 
I'm just not sure what to make of Washington Jacob Eason this year. That home loss to Cal a couple weeks ago really threw me for a loop. I did not see that one coming. Eason looked like the Eason that we saw his freshman year in that game. Um, but I think BYU comes back down to earth a little bit in this one. And I think Washington gets the road win. And actually, it's, it's, this will be a tight game. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Washington to cover ever so slightly. It's a, it's a, if it's a six-and-a-half spread, I'm going to go Washington by a touchdown. All right. Let's close out our trio of Pac-12 road favorites. We have the Oregon Ducks traveling to Stanford, Stanford excuse me, as a 10-point favorite. The Cardinals are licking their wounds, but can they pull the upset at home? I'm going to go with no, they will not. Hey, oh, Stanford. Stanford. It was disgusting watching them. Play. I mean, they were just like, oh. I always want to pull for them, but oh, the Cardinal just not not so great this year. So I'm going to go with Oregon to win and cover. Cliff, what do you think? Okay, so this is a I would say an interesting matchup, but it's really not. Uh, I think you got one interesting team and one that's really just falling on hard times. Oregon is number seven in scoring margin at plus 32.5 points per game. Really good, despite the loss to Auburn. And that was really in a game that Oregon should have won, but let it slip away. Uh, we all saw it towards the end. I mean, what is that defensive back doing? Just lets the guy... It's know, crazy. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine what he's thinking. Not knock the ball down or anything. Just pathetic defensive, defensive back play there. Um, had that been Georgia, it either gets knocked down or taken away. Period. Yeah. Um, Stanford is number 93 in scoring margin at negative 11 points per game. Really bad. That's rough. This is not the Stanford team, like I was saying before, that used to be a serious power within their conference. I have Oregon winning and covering easily, even though the game is at Stanford. It's not that intimidating of a place to play, to be honest. And as far as it being on the road, this is not one of those where it scares me that it's at Stanford. So I've got Oregon winning and covering easily. All right, Tyler, what are you picking? Yeah, Stanford is terrible, guys. Like, they <laughs> they are very bad. I watched that game against USC, and oh, my God, they are not good. I'm trying to watch a little bit of that UCF game. Ooh, Stanford is not good, um, just to put it mildly. They are very, very slow. It's crazy watch. Like it, It's like they're playing in a different game than some of these teams right now. They're trying to do the same thing they've done for years and just run over people, but with inferior talent. They don't have the same level of talent right now. They've got some key injuries on the offensive line. And it's just not working for them. I still think Oregon is a very good team. Um, I think they should be the clear favorite in the Pac-12 North right now. I think they're better than Washington. I'll trust them more than Washington right now. Uh, and I think they're just too fast, too skilled in this one. There might be 17 people in the stands for Stanford. So home field advantage is just not going to be a factor there. So I'm going to take the Ducks to win and also cover the 10. All right. So we saved the best for last. Finally, the only game any of us really care about this week. Our Georgia Bulldogs, at the time of this recording, are the 13-and-a-half-point home favorite over the visiting Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That number makes me nervous. But I'm going to pick the dogs to win and cover on Saturday night. She has the faith. I know. but And everybody, I just want to warn you while I'm talking about this, watch out for the lights. They're going to be dangerous. In the fourth quarter. Prepare yourself. The LEDs lights is what she's talking about. If you're not, We've added those to the stadium, and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be crazy. So. Prepare yourselves, have fun, be safe. Cliff, on that note, what do you have for this one? Oh, all right, I agree. This is definitely the only game that matters this week, no doubt. Uh, Notre Dame is number seven in scoring margin, and they're also ranked number seven. How about that? Georgia is ranked number three in scoring margin and also ranked number three in the country. How interesting. 
Notre Dame is at plus 35 points per game. Georgia is at 30 plus 39 points per game. Best in the SEC, just ahead of Alabama, by the way. I found that interesting for sure. Very interesting. Let's be real. Let's be real. Neither team has played anybody yet. I think we can both acknowledge, we can all acknowledge that. Here are some numbers, though, which are bad news for Notre Dame, which makes us happy to hear. Georgia's number six in rushing yards per game, best in the SEC at a whopping 296.5 yards per game. My goodness. The next closest SEC team is Auburn at, and they're ranked number 10 in that category. Notre Dame is number 38 at 193 yards per game in rushing. Not bad, but not nearly as effective as Georgia when it comes to the run game. So Notre Dame actually relies on the passing game more than I thought. They're, they rank number 16 in that category. Georgia has averaged 272 yards passing, but it's not that far off from Notre Dame. And to be fair, has Georgia really put that much emphasis on passing? I would say not. I agree. Because they haven't had to. Georgia's yeah. number six in yards given up per game, which is best in the SEC at 225 point yards per game given up. Notre Dame, in comparison, though, is giving up 377 point yards per game, which is a stark difference. And it's not like Notre Dame has played any good teams to this point. Georgia only gives up 79.5 yards rushing a game, ranked number 13th, second in this SEC behind only Texas A&M. So those folks are trying to say Georgia's run defense is, is not any good. They don't know what they're talking about. I totally agree with while, that. You're right about that. While Notre Dame has given up 235, they're, you know, on average, and they rank 118 against the run. Really bad. That spells trouble for Notre Dame. So I have Georgia winning handily as the stats simply don't lie. I tried to find a reason to convince myself that Notre Dame could keep it close. And they may keep it close for a half, but Georgia's strength and core philosophy op- philosophy offensively is beating teams up with the run, and it does not like look like Notre Dame is up to the task of, of stopping that. And it's inevitable that Georgia is just going to wear them down. I've got Georgia winning and covering. All right, Tyler, make your pick. Well, that's a hell of a breakdown, Cliff. I don't know if I – it's going to be a tough fact to follow, my man. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by saying that I do think Notre Dame is a better team than what many in the Bulldog Nation are giving them credit for being right now. I hear a lot of people saying we're going to blow them out. We, we might. We might. But I, I, I want to make sure they get the fair amount of respect. This is a good Notre Dame team. Maybe not an elite team, but they're good. Uh, Ian Book may not be a dynamic quarterback, but he's at least a steady playmaker for them. And I, I mentioned well, that in the – Larry Munson's been talking to you. Dude, I'm a, I'm a Munsonite. Absolutely. I grew up on Larry Munson, <laughs> and it's, very, it's deeply embedded in my DNA. There's no doubt about it. Probably can tell you. I go into every game like, convincing myself that we're going to lose, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm definitely in the vein of um, expect the worst, hope for the best, for sure. Uh, no doubt about that. I, I own that. Uh, and Chase Claypool thinks a good wide receiver. Uh, and they have a trio of pass rushers that can give us – they could potentially give us – I don't want to say nightmares. That's too strong of a word, but problems. Especially when you consider – and Cliff, you pointed this out a couple of times on social media the first couple of weeks. Our offensive lines has some issues protecting from at times, right? Yeah, so that's, you that's least, Yeah, you got to at least like consider that. And uh, But it's going to be loud and crazy. There's no doubt there. But I do agree with what Brian Kelly has said in that it's kind of old hat for Notre Dame. Uh, every true road environment they go into is crazy and chaotic. It's, it's a big game for every team that hosts them. Yeah. So I, I hope it. I mean, it's, I hope it affects their communication just from a practical standpoint. But I don't expect it to intimidate them as much as we may want it to. I don't expect that to happen. But well, let, me, let me just stop you for a brief yeah, stop second. Me. So part of what I'm thinking is 
you know, if Georgia is a national championship contender, and we all agree they are, they should handle this game easily because we can all agree Notre Dame is likely not a serious national championship contender. They proved that last year. If this is the case, Georgia should win this easily. Now, I could be wrong, but if I just looked at the teams and overall talent, it, it's not even close. You're right, Cliff. I think you're right. It's like if we are who we think we are, this is a game we win. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. That's a great way to say it. And I ultimately, I, I, so there are some things, I, as I mentioned, I think Notre Dame is that bring, they bring to the table, but ultimately, this is a game of matchups. And like you said, Cliff, I just like our matchups in this one. I really do. Our rushing offense, offense against their rushing defense, that's the most obvious advantage. They've had issues slowing down the likes of Louisville and New Mexico on the ground. That doesn't bode well for them coming against the Georgia offense. Uh, but I, I, I think there are other matchups that favor us too. I think our front seven defensively can control their ground game, especially with Jafar Armstrong not playing in this one. Uh, I think we have Definitely. the athleticism to contain Ian Book. When he, when he tries to scramble and make those plays outside the pocket, I think we're going to have an answer for that, especially on third down passing situations with our ferocious dime package where we're going to be able to get the likes of Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith, Aziz Ojolari, Devon Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Channing Tindall, Nakobe Dean, all those crazy athletes on the field. Now, I know we can't get all those guys on the field at the same time, but we can get a lot of them on the field at the same time. They're going to be rotating guys in and out. If we can get those kind of guys on the field in those third down situations, we can contain Ian Book on third down. And I know a lot of fans out there with our pass rushers, they want us to just unleash the hounds on third down. And to a degree, I get that. But I, I might caution against that. Clemson, if you go back to the game last year in the college football playoff, they had a lot of success against Ian Book last year. Rushing three, spying Book with Isaiah Simmons, they're kind of hybrid safety inside linebacker and then dropping seven into coverage and that creates tight windows and Ian Book guys we know he just doesn't have the arm talent to consistently fit the ball into those tight windows and so when there's nothing there Book is going to try to take off and and just make something happen but in that situation the thing is, is we're going to have too much athleticism on the field for him to do much of anything there so I think this is another important key in this game. In our preview show, I identified staying ahead of the change offensively and limiting big plays defensively as keys to this game. But I think a third key could be keeping Notre Dame behind the chains and forcing them into third and long situations where we can then deploy our third down dime defense. And again, going back to matchups, it's all about matchups. I think we have a really good shot of doing just that, forcing them into those third and long situations. I don't think they're going to be able to consistently find success on the ground against our front seven. I just don't see it. Now, they do go with heavy RPO action on standard downs. Book has the option to pull it on most of those early down situations and throw the football. But I think we can control the run option with our front seven. And then that will allow us to kind of drop an overhang safety down into to muddy the throwing lanes and get them in those third and long situations where they just haven't been very good at all this season, only converting 27% of the third down opportunities. And they are very reliant on big plays. 70% of their touchdown drives have uh, had at least one play of 30-plus yards. They're very inefficient on third downs, only, only converting 27% of the third downs right now. So that's not going to bode well for them against a Georgia defense. Because one thing that we've always been very good at under Kirby is not giving up big plays. Uh, and they don't have the ground game to force us out of two high safety looks, which allow us to even more prevent those big plays. So I just don't see them consistently stringing together enough long scoring drives to beat us. Because you're right, Cliff, we have the town advantage. That's just the facts. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I, see, I see two keys winning this game. Number one, offensively, stay ahead of the chains. Do not give their pastors a chance to pin their ears back on third-long situations and come after us. So that could be a problem for us. And then number two, defensively, just limit the big plays. And I really like our ability to do both of those. 
Uh, the ground game, an intermediate pass game, is going to help us stay ahead of the chains. Fromm is willing to take those check downs. The defensive structure, Notre Dame struggles to establish a ground game. That's going to help us limit big plays and ultimately win this game. So I'm with you, Cliff. I'm taking my dogs here to win. And it's a big number. It makes me nervous, but I'm going to, I'm going to take us to cover that 13 and a half. I'm not necessarily predicting a blowout, but I'll go with a nice two touchdown win at home. All right, guys. Well, I, I, I had saw the uh, number go to 14 and a half, which made me kind of twinge a little bit and think maybe I should back off the covering, but I'm going to stick to it. Okay. I like your confidence, Cliff. You're giving me confidence, man, and I need it. I need it. It's going to be a long night for me. I'm gonna have, I might have a couple heart attacks in that stadium, but I'm going to do my best to, to stay alive. But, uh, Cliff, I cannot thank you enough, my man. Like, this was this, – you were incredible. Like, I Chris, mean, I think you, uh, you're a natural, Cliff. Yeah, all of Thank the listeners have done a great job, and y'all are beating me, so kudos. And I've been really impressed with Cliff and everyone who's come on. It's It's been awesome, and it's just great to talk to you guys and have you on the show because, uh, really, the show is for you guys, and we wouldn't have it if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much, Cliff. We're going to have you on again in the future, my man. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and, and congrats on the new um, relationship that you've got. So that's oh, awesome. really, we really appreciate that. I'm just, we're just glad that no one has to pay for this anymore. So we're happy for you guys. We're very much relieved there. But thanks, Cliff. We really appreciate that, man. But uh, oh, but real quick before we get out of here, Curtis actually just sent me his picks. He's been begging to get on this show, and he can't make it with his law school schedule. But he wanted to at least uh, have the opportunity to put his picks out there, and he just sent them to me right now. So uh, let me run through his picks really quickly here. Curtis in the Tennessee Florida game. Kurt's taking Florida. And uh, he's taking them to cover the 14. He's taking AM over Auburn. Uh, and also taking AM to cover that spread. He's got LSU over Vandy. LSU to cover the 23. He's got uh, Mississippi State to beat Kentucky, but he's taking Kentucky to cover the 7.5. Uh, he's taking Missouri to beat South Carolina and to also cover the 9.5. He's got Utah to beat USC on the road, also to cover the four point spread there. He's got Michigan to beat Wisconsin. So, Charlie, he's with you. He's got Michigan to beat Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, he's got Washington over BYU. He's got Washington covering the 6.5. He's got Oregon over Stanford and covering the 10. And then he's got us beating Notre Dame but going under the 13.5. So he's got us uh, winning but Notre Dame covering there. So I want to make sure to get his picks in there. But that is officially it for us today, guys. So for Cliff, for Charlie, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. It's going to be a great one. God willing, please let us pull this one out. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.